When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. The important level is to play well this week, and we'll worry about long-term and all those other things later on. We're going to focus on the Saints and go down to New Orleans. Oh, Mike Zimmer with so much to stay at the uh, podium today. Matthew Collar here back on Purple Daily. In a few minutes, Robert Mays from The Ringer and then Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. So a lot to discuss with those two. Um, Let's get to what's going on if you missed it. Two major stories that are sort of running parallel to each other. One will make you panic about the game, and then the other one may pique your interest, I think. Uh, The first one is that Mackenzie and Alexander and Mike Hughes are both out for this game. Uh, On Mackenzie Alexander, I think it is worth questioning why he played last week, in Week 17 against the Chicago Bears. I mean, Alexander came into that game questionable with a knee injury, and is a huge player for this team in terms of the percentage of snaps that he takes. He's not a guy that we talk about a lot, which is in part because he usually does his job. He is rated as one of the best tacklers at the cornerback position by Pro Football Focus, and he has become a solid player at his position after some years where we wondered if he would, if he would be able to fill that Terrence Newman or Captain Munderland role. But just looking at his snap counts for this year, the most he has played in a single game was against Dallas. He played 82% of snaps, and it's usually somewhere between 55 to 80%, uh, depending on how the other team plays. There are some teams that use a lot of two tight end and things like that. Well, I would imagine that the Vikings are going to see a lot of three wide receiver sets now uh, that two of their cornerbacks are out, um, especially a solid starting nickel corner. And then Mike Hughes, it's hard to figure out what happened there other than that he must have gotten injured in practice. Uh, He showed up on the injury report but was practicing with a neck injury earlier this week. And then today he's nowhere to be found. And Mike Zimmer comes up, and uh, the, you know the Vikings announce that he's going on injured reserve. So there's no chance of him coming back at any point in the playoffs should the Vikings win. There was no explanation from Zimmer aside from saying that Hughes got hurt playing football. So I would love to know exactly what happened there, if it was in practice, what type of injury it is. Is it going to be a long-term thing? 
I've got nothing for you on that, aside from neither of these guys is playing against the Saints. Now, if you're looking for some reason to be not super terrified by the fact that Michael Thomas often lines up in the slot and your two slot corners are hurt, it's that J. Ron Curse did fill in as the nickel corner earlier this year in a similar situation where Hughes was not ready to return yet and uh, Alexander had gotten hurt. And he did pretty well in the first two games. Of course, he was thrown at quite a bit in those two games, but not terrible. In the first game against Atlanta, seven uh, receptions on nine targets his way, but only allowed 46 yards. And then against Green Bay, three for four with 29 yards. And he had a terrific game against the Denver Broncos earlier this year, uh, in which at the end of the game had a couple of pass deflections. They tried targeting Noah Fant, and Jaron Curse was great. But in this situation, you are going up against a different kind of monster in the New Orleans Saints, where Michael Thomas is the only receiver in the NFL with 50 or more catches from lining up in the slot. And that is a problem for you, um, that he has the highest percentage of his catches out of his total coming from the slot. They're going to use that a lot. So now does Xavier Rhodes track uh, Michael Thomas all over the field? Do they try to have J Ron curse follow him? Do they play a lot of zone stuff and try to keep the saints in front of them, which would be my expectation that they play a lot of two high safeties and they try to make sure that if the saints are going to score, it's on long drives that they have to run the ball, that they have to complete four, five, six, seven passes. The problem with that is they'll do it. Not every team will, but certainly Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints will have no problem doing that. And then it all comes down to how well you play in the red zone. The Vikings have tremendously good red zone statistics this year, but you're not playing Drew Brees in every situation throughout this season. And that really changes the dynamic and, and the question I go back to, because I don't think it's impossible that they could slow them down um, or, or that Mackenzie Alexander is some sort of irreplaceable player. It's just, why was he in week 17 when he's a guy that's taken as high of a percentage as 80% of snaps this year when the Vikings could have played another corner who they would bump up from the practice squad or something. They could have played three linebackers for the entire game. They had Cameron Smith, Kentrell brothers, Eric Wilson played in that game. If there's nothing to lose, then why not play a base defense and make sure Mackenzie Alexander isn't on the field when he's already hurt. Things happen. I wouldn't have said, Hey, you know, uh, freak out that Alexander's out there. If he was a hundred percent healthy and then it ended up being a freak thing. But the fact that he was already dinged up and at one point in Week 17 hobbled off the field and ended up coming back in, that is hard to figure out. And this team has had a tendency to do that. They've had a tendency to have Thielen come out too soon and re-aggravate his hamstring, or last year with Delvin Cook, re-aggravate his hamstring. And it's not to say that the training staff isn't doing their job or or whatever, it, but it seems like they've had a record of putting guys out there a little bit too soon and then getting them injured. And there's another one to watch here that is really interesting because this player has suddenly become very valuable is Afadi Adenabo is questionable. And Adenabo has become their 
guy who comes in and fills in and, and seems to find a way to make a play every game. I know that all of you weren't super dialed in to the Week 17 game, and I wasn't either because what was going on with Green Bay and Detroit. But Afadi Adenimo got a strip sack in that game. He returned the fumble for a touchdown against the Chargers. He got a big stop or sack. I think it was a stop, a run stop against Dallas when they foolishly tried to run Ezekiel Elliott a couple of times at the end of that game, and Afadi Adenabo was in on it. If he can't play, and then we're not sure what level Eric Kendricks will be back to. Kendricks did practice these last two days. He's not on the injury report for today. But we still don't know, is he really going to be at 100% for this game? He, I mean, he's listed as a full participant. He went from did not practice to limited to a full participant. So they have his injury listed. He's just um, not out or questionable or anything like that for the game. But what is his status really? And this is a Vikings team that in order to go anywhere in the playoffs, we figured one of the big benefits was going to be that they were healthy. That when you went from position to position, you're getting Adam Thielen back at least closer to 100%. Delvin Cook has sat the last two games. He's going to be closer to 100%. And then Eric Hendricks is going to be able to play. So, okay, you're you're very close, or, or you're going to be a, a full squad when you play New Orleans. Now that's going to look a lot tougher and certainly questionable why they let Mackenzie Alexander get out there. So that's story number one and something to watch. And, yeah, you should be pretty concerned about that one. Story number two is that it's just... Uh, you know, building up and building up when it comes to um, you know, this conversation about Mike Zimmer and, and Rick Spielman, I would add to this. And Jonathan just sent me a tweet from Pro Football Talk that the Vikings released a statement from Mark Wilf on Zimmer and Spielman saying, we value Mike and Rick's leadership and we have every intent of Mike continuing as the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings and Rick leading our football operations next year and beyond. Where did that come from? Well, that I don't know where that came from, but that was just tweeted. I'm checking the date and I'm checking Pro yeah, Football Talk to make sure. Two minutes ago. So... But isn't that just a vote of confidence that oh, yeah, doesn't yeah. mean a thing? I, For sure. It's a, it's a very weird timing here. This doesn't look like an announcement that they're coming back for sure, no matter what happens. It just seems like one of those empty... I don't like who are they giving this to? Just pro football talk because PFT keeps are they, fueling the fire? Are they sensing that there is talk that they could be gone and like they heard... The clip that we played earlier of yeah, ESPN talking, talking about, about Zimmer yeah. going to Dallas. Are they yeah. hearing that and they just want to put out that fire? Yeah, I don't if know. If so, that's really a weird statement. It, it is a surprising timing for a statement to give the, the dreaded vote of confidence. On a Friday right, afternoon. Yeah, right before your game in New Orleans. But this is not what the sense has been around that building for quite some time. The sense has been around that building that the Wilfs paid for Kirk Cousins and they expected success, and last year they didn't get it, and this year, after watching what happened against the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football, that the feeling would be if something goes really wrong in the playoffs, then then this could be bad. And then as the week has gone on here, the amount of buzz that's come from people like Charles Robinson, who's dialed in, people like Dan Graziano, about this Dallas thing and the potential for a trade it has made it feel even more like if you don't upset the New Orleans Saints, even if it is 34 to 31, that you're going to end up with a new coach and, and potentially a new general manager as well. 
to put out this statement now to just say we value them and we have every intent of Mike continuing as the head coach. I mean, it's it's not, hey, guys, we're definitely not firing him. We have the intent to, which could absolutely change. I mean, at one point, Rick Spielman once said, we're not trading Percy Harvin, and then he traded Percy Harvin. So, I mean, this, this is the classic, classic NFL. Like, no, we want people to stop talking about this and start hyping up the game, but... It's also we just hear added you, fuel to that fire. and you more or less acknowledged that everything that's being said is being said for a reason, and so that's uh, that's out there, and very interesting that they issue a statement uh, about you know the other thing is too that they did not issue a statement announcing contract extensions. No, their contracts expire in two thousand and twenty, and they could put the money where their mouth is and sign both of them to a contract extension right now. To not do that still tells us that I don't think a thing has changed from what Meyer Metcalf and I were just talking about in the last segment, that I have always been on the side of this front office built a really good team, and this is a very, very good head coach, and if your quarterback can't outduel other quarterbacks who are better than him, well, then you and the rest of the league have the same problem, right? I mean, you and the Atlanta Falcons, you and the Detroit Lions, you and... You know, Jay Cutler's two teams that he played for, all in the same boat. The Alex Smiths of the world, it's always been a problem. It usually gets people fired, um, but it doesn't mean that your coach doesn't know what he's doing. I think Mike Zimmer has held up his side of the bargain, and I've stuck with that uh, throughout this week, but I've had to sort of back down a little bit here when it looks like, yeah, this could really, really happen if uh, they come up short on Sunday, and I do not change the stance at all of feeling like this is very very possible just by seeing this statement but (laughs) for a team i mean how this is just like classic vikings talk about a distraction that they've had this week there is no way that everybody in that building could shut this out especially since people in that building have probably been doing some of the talking to be out there in the national media that are around that place at TCO Performance Center, there has to be a lot of people looking around at each other. Mike Zimmer looking at Kirk Cousins wondering, are you going to get me fired? Kirk Cousins thinking, am I going to get a contact extension because I'm going to get judged on this one game? The receivers and the offensive line looking at Cousins going, are you are you going to show up? Because that could be a problem. And uh, Delvin Cook going, I can I can carry this, I think. Um and you know, defense. I think my shoulder will stay. Yeah, on. I think my shoulders will. So you guys can ride those shoulders all the way to a win potentially, but uh, also then got to be looking over at the defense, saying you guys haven't really been good this year against winning teams. So maybe uh, you want to show up, and that's where you end up with the finger pointing, blaming everybody else, the need to have something change. And I and I also think that a reason that they put out this statement here. Um, is for, for two other potential reasons. Number one, if the Vikings do lose to the Saints, uh, the Wilfs on their way out do not want to get bum-rushed by reporters. They'll just say, we've already put out our statement, and you know, we'll, whatever, 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 that sort of thing. And also, too, to let Jerry Jones know it ain't going to be cheap. I think that's another part of it, too. That we're not going to do it for a fifth-round pick if you want to trade for Mike Zimmer. That we have every intent to bring him back. So if you want him, you are going to have to pay us a lot. 
I have remained in the camp that if you stick with Mike Zimmer, you have a good chance to be in the playoffs next year. Things can go different ways to get you a better position. Sometimes 10-6 and six does get you a home playoff game. So this year it didn't because of the way that things played out. And when you build one of the better franchises in the NFL, it's really hard for me to say, oh man, just get rid of the guy in charge. If you go through who are the teams that keep all their players, that have an ownership that's willing to pay, that have good performances overall on both sides of the ball. They've got an all-pro at linebacker. They've got pro bowlers on, on every part of the field here. The guys that have either been before or in this year, and they've brought people back on contracts that they wouldn't have signed in other places. So, I mean, how many franchises can you really say that for that are as stable as the Vikings have become under Mike Zimmer? It's only recently, and I mean really recently, that uh, I've felt like, oh, this is this is actually on rocky ground. But from the other perspective, if you give all these tools to a head coach, and even if his quarterback does not play as well as he should in a big game or many big games, when you give a lot of tools to a head coach and you don't win a playoff game after two seasons with as much money as you spent, it's going to be really disappointing. And that's where I think that things could change. So I I, I don't believe that you could have this many reports out there with no fire to them, that you could have this much smoke with absolutely no fire with, um, you know, just reporters coming out of this, coming up with this stuff out of nowhere. Like these guys usually don't Um, people like Charles Robinson, people like Dan Graziano, if that's what they're hearing and that I've heard rumblings of this as well, being legit, the thing with Dallas, then that's probably the truth. All right. Robert Mays from the ringer is joining us now. Oh, man, Robert, it is a day here in Minnesota. What's going on, buddy? Did I push the there wrong button? Go. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. Sorry, sorry, Robert. You're, you you're potted down. Go ahead. Now you're up. Can you hear me? All right. Yep. Sorry. I, I Trust me. It's been, a heck of, it's been a heck of a 24 hours for me. I My phone is broken, so I only use it with headphones. My recorder was on my phone, so that's broken. I'm in Baltimore. I had to write a thing about Jerry Jones getting fired, or but, well, which should happen, Jason Garrett getting fired. <laughs> This time of year is just, I don't know, man. It's too much. No, you're right. You're right. And uh, I just, if you haven't seen it, was reading the statement from Vikings ownership saying they have every intent of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman to continue in their positions, which sounds like the dreaded vote of confidence to me, Robert. I don't know about that. I, I mean, conversations I've had with you guys up there about, you know, kind of the lay of the land and how that might go have always been surprising to me because... I just think that that team has a really good foundation to be pretty good, and I'm not sure that you'd want to get rid of that duo at this point, even if they do lose in the first round of the playoffs. Well, you and I are on the same page there. I've been talking about that all week of, like, look at this organization that you have built and you know, look, look at the defense that you have. Even when it struggles, it's fifth best in the league in points. But there is also something to be said, Robert, if they don't pull off an upset here of, Two years of Kirk Cousins, two years of a lot of contracts handed out, and no playoff wins is pretty tough to swallow. I can understand that, but I think you've seen progress from the offense. And I know Cousins has kind of fallen flat later in the season, but I do think the splashes that you've seen and the peaks that you've seen from that group have to excite you. You know, let's say Kevin Stefanski leaves in the offseason. What do you think happens? What do I think happens? Like, just in general, like prediction wise? Like, in terms of who's going to call the offense, oh. I think it's probably pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, well, so 
the Kevin Stefanski conversation is really interesting, right? I mean, because this is a guy who is getting talked about for all these head coaching positions, but the Vikings might also want him as as his as the head coach here if they think the offense is sustainable. I just think even if he gets hired away, then Gary Kubiak just calls the place next year. You think so? Wouldn't see, that make sense? Well, see, I was thinking if that if I was thinking that Kevin Stefanski might call the place as the head coach. Oh, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. You really want to just for one year? I, I tend to I, I tend to like the offensive head coach model just because it, it for this exact reason it, it gives you continuity and it really gives you some stability where having your coordinator hired away is not a question. But I still think that after one year of the offense looking like this, scrapping the Zimmer era and moving on to giving it to Kevin Stefanski, I think that there's risk involved with that. Oh, definitely. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I just think that might be one step too far. So the question would be then, like they, they love Stefanski. They don't want to see him go. I get that sense from being around. But if they feel like... Zimmer's message has gotten stale, which I know is a cliche, but I also think it's a real thing where you know the same guy okay. pounding the same points eventually does sort of run thin with your star players. And if they do feel like the defense has started to slip a little bit and he doesn't have the same impact, the same ability to just scheme something up and whip something up to stop great quarterbacks, which they have not done this year, every time they faced a great quarterback, it's 400 yards of offense against them. That you might see it as well. The offensive coordinator model, the Andy Reid, you could have an offense that's good for a longer period of time than usually defense, which you and I know bounces up and down. And then if you feel like players will respond to Stefanski as they have largely on the offensive side overall as a head coach, you, you would have to at least consider it if they get smoked in New Orleans. I think you have to consider it, but I still think it's an overreaction to a certain degree. If you think... Uh, we've seen this happen before, right? I mean, it's kind of what happened with Jarrett, with Jason Garrett. I keep calling Jason Garrett Jerry Jones. It's been a long week. This is kind of what's happened, what happened with Jason Garrett in Dallas, where it, it was completely unacceptable, the idea of losing him. And so they gave him a godfather offer to stay as a coordinator, kind of with the hint, hint that you were the coach in waiting. And if that's how you feel about Kevin Stefanski, if you feel that strongly about him as an organization, I guess I can understand that thought process, but... Again, it's just, and I like Kevin Stefanski. I think he's really smart. Yeah. But I, I just don't know if that's exactly how you'd want to do this. Yeah. And I, I am with you on that. It's just that as it's built throughout the week, I thought at first it was just sort of your natural, well, if this goes wrong, then you never know. And then by the end of the week, Dan Graziano's on TV saying, yeah, they could definitely trade Zimmer to Dallas. Like, okay, wow. Uh, the, the uh, different build up to this game than I expected. But, uh, I, I do want to talk to you, though, Robert, about the great article you did about Drew Brees and the relationship with Sean Payton, which, of course, I couldn't help myself think about that there is no relationship between Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, by the way, um, and the fact that you interviewed a McCown. And anytime you get to interview a McCown, it's a special <laughs> time in your life. So what what was the top thing that you took away from all the conversations you had about the relationship between Brees and Sean Payton? I think that just the collaborative aspect of their relationship is always is so interesting to me. You know, obviously, in his earlier career, early time with the, with the Saints, we didn't have as much of a handle on the, the system and everything else. Brees had input the same way most quarterbacks would, but it's grown over time. You know, Joe Lombardi, their quarterbacks coach, who this is also an underrated part of this whole thing. They've had the same staff on offense for the last decade, for the most part. I mean, the continuity there is amazing. So Joe Lombardi, who's spent nine seasons there as the quarterbacks coach, 
said that probably about six or seven years ago, Drew went from kind of saying, I want this route depth, right, like this route on the backside, to putting in full plays that he was suggesting. So, I mean, you have a little input from your quarterback that, one, gives you a better game plan because he's a smart offensive mind and essentially another coach, and, two, just instills so much confidence in the quarterback because of the ownership he has over what the offense is. Uh, so that side of it I thought was fascinating. Just the level of detail that they go through on the field and just kind of the motions and the formations and everything else. And I know you know this. When you talk to guys, and sometimes you get overexcited and you think, oh, man, this seems so new and interesting. And then you'll talk to other people and they're like, no, that's pretty standard in the league. Yeah. But by talking to a guy like Luke McCown, who has been with seven teams in a 13-year career, and having him say to me, this is unlike anything else, I think you get a sense of just how rare it is. And then the last part was, on Saturday nights, they essentially go through the game plan, and Breeze picks the plays that he likes. And Mm -hmm. again, that is something that most teams do to some degree. But with a lot of teams, it'll be, what's your favorite third and seven call? And I'll take a note of it as a play caller. For the Saints, it's literally every single play on the play sheet they go through and have a conversation about whether they're going to dot it or not as one of Breeze's favorite plays. And McCown told me that that meeting can go an hour, it can go two hours, and it's just the only people in the room that talk are those two. And that's just a back and forth that I think is extremely rare at this level, and I think it requires a familiarity and a trust and an honestness that you're not going to get from a lot of coaches and coordinators. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of a quarterback running the entire game plan. Usually it is the, maybe Peyton Manning used to do it, I don't know, but it used to be, at least from what I read in Bruce Arians' book, it would be like the third downs, as you mentioned, that he would go through wanting his quarterback to be most comfortable with the biggest plays, but aside from that, it was just, here's the game plan, you get to pick your favorite third down plays, but that is uh, that is truly incredible. And Robert, I love this coaching matchup, and it's sort of been... I don't want to say annoying because I always love talking about no matter what we're we're doing with football, but to not talk as much about Peyton versus Zimmer, which has created these fascinating battles. And Drew Brees has not been unbelievable against the Vikings really since the time they played in the Dome in 2014. But then now we're dealing with a little bit different Zimmer defense that doesn't quite have as much talent and an older Breeze, and the pressure's on for him and everything else with you know the, the Super Bowl window running out for Breeze in his career. I mean, if it wasn't for all the other sort of noise, I would just be really enthralled with this matchup. I think that it's so interesting because of pretty kind of what we were saying about the Saints is that the tweaks they do to their concepts and the things they do to kind of get these plays ready and make them different than what they've done in, in previous weeks is they really do do a great job of honing in on the rules of the defense and how to affect individual players within the structure of that scheme. And I think one of the reasons that they've struggled relatively against the Vikings in years past is that it's very difficult to do that against Minnesota. Pieces move in such interesting ways. It's a defense that is as kind of proactive as any defense you're going to see in the league schematically. And I think that makes it really difficult to bend to your will by formation, by using motions, all of that stuff. So I totally agree with you. I think the cat and mouse of it is absolutely incredible. Yeah, and, and Breeze is not a guy you can blitz at all. I was looking up his numbers when he gets blitzed, and he's got 127 quarterback rating. So you sort of take the tool out of the bag. But then I was watching back the last game they played last year, and Zimmer picked two or three times during the whole game to send a blitz, and they worked each time. So it, 
I think Breeze went maybe one for four with three yards or something when he was blitzed. So watching those two go back and forth. But then, you know, you have players out here. And in order to win, I think, Robert, the Vikings, whether it's Zimmer or Kirk Cousins, are going to have to do the thing where they really actually do prove everyone wrong. Usually it's no one believes in us, and it's 50-50. Well, we sort of believe. But in this case, it's you are an extreme underdog. And you two have an immense amount of pressure, Wilf statement or not Wilf statement. You have an immense amount of pressure. And if they could pull this off, it really will be showing everyone that we can band together and do this. Absolutely. And I think it'll give you faith for whatever this structure is moving forward. I just when I think about the Vikings' chances and what they have to do, I kind of love doing this. Like, build me an upset. How, how can this happen? And I feel like even though the Saints' secondary has a lot of good players in it, there are still moving pieces back there. You have Janoris Jenkins, who's only been there for a little bit. Can you get one or two plays where all of that movement, the play action, everything else can leave him slightly flat-footed for one of those just deep shots to Von Dick's touchdowns on first and ten that we've seen this season? I think they're, when you're the underdog, you need high-variance plays to go your way. Yes. And if they can get a couple of those chunks, if they can somehow – you know, have a situation in the middle of the field where you can really rely on a guy like Anthony Harris or Harrison Smith to make a play for you, even if you're worried about your corners. Turnover battles and big plays are huge when you're not as good as the other team. And I think as simple as that may seem, I think that's what this comes down to. Yep, and we also know, I mean, this is high variance anyway with Kirk Cousins. It always has been. It's Cameron yeah. Jordan said it this week. Which Kirk shows up, everyone wants to know. And if the bad version shows up, then they're probably – thinking about potentially changing their direction. Now, you're in Baltimore. There is no football game in Baltimore. You know that, right, for uh, this week. Um, what is your... I will be getting on an airplane to Boston tomorrow, so don't worry oh, about that. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Just making sure I, uh, that, that you realize that that is not this week. Uh, I... Okay, well, I, I found out the hard way. <laughs> I was going to ask you which other game is the most fascinating to you. Is it... Uh, I mean, it has to be New England, right? That's where you're headed. Yeah, I think it's probably New England just because of the stakes. You know, if the Patriots lose, I think that you absolutely can start to write an obituary for it because of how much uncertainty goes into this offseason. I mean, it's kind of not dissimilar to kind of what you're talking about with the Vikings where, yeah, it seems like we could run this back, but also is it time for a change? Does Belichick at the end of the season kind of sit there with Brady and say, we need to do something different because whatever this is that we've done forever just isn't working anymore? And I, that would be shocking, but I still think it's in the cards. You know, Robert, my my thing, I think that I simulated way too many Madden seasons as a kid because I'm like, you know, the off season is about to be really interesting. <laughs> Hold on, we've got a playoff game. I've got a plane to catch tomorrow to go to New Orleans, so I shouldn't get ahead of myself. But it's like, oh, can we talk for like five hours about how everything's going to play out in the off season? So, well, uh, I, I, though, I am very excited for what's going to happen over this weekend. Uh, do you think the Vikings have a shot at it, Robert? I absolutely do, because I think the Vikings are a good football team. Uh, yeah, I understand the shortcomings, and I will take the L here, talking to you and Courtney before the season about their corner situation and how I thought you guys were crazy to say that. That's two years in a row. Two years in a row you have not listened to us. We told you the offensive line two years ago and the corners this time. I'm just saying. I told I was with you on the offensive line. You didn't get pushback on that from me. <laughs> I completely understood there. I think that the corners thing, I was definitely not – buying it and it's definitely come to be so i uh yeah man i just think they're still a good team i love this version of offense i 
sat down with Kevin Stefanski and Kirk Cousins before the season to talk about it. I think that a lot of the things I figured might happen with this scheme and with their personnel have kind of come to fruition. And I think that at its best, it's gorgeous to watch. It's my favorite type of football. Mm -hmm. But you can't deny that there have been some valleys here over the last month of the season. So we'll see what happens. I, I absolutely think they have the coaching, the players, everything to go into New Orleans and win. But I do think it's going to be a challenge. I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you said there. I've got like 34-31. I think this could be one of those sort of instant classics that uh, we remember and Vikings fans are potentially sad about for a long time. Um, Follow him on Twitter, at Robert Mays, writes for The Ringer. And I know that the last thing you want to read is about Drew Brees and Sean Payton, because at Vikings fans, I'm sure you hate them. But the article is so good, and it includes a account, so please go read it. Uh, make sure it's his pinned tweet on Twitter. Make sure you check that out. The secret sauce behind the Drew Brees Sean Payton relationship. Robert, great to catch up with you, man. Let's do it again soon. Anytime, buddy. I appreciate it. Yep, and uh, good travels, and hopefully you fix your phone. I think we'll be okay. Fly <laughs> safe tomorrow. All right, take care, man. That's uh, Robert May is always great that he will come on. Let's take a break, and uh, we got Sam Monson, another regular guest who is coming right up as well. We'll be right back. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.